Hello and welcome to Locked On St. Louis Cardinals, your daily podcast covering all things St. Louis Cardinals baseball, coming to you after a, a pretty disappointing weekend in Pittsburgh that featured a lovely Cardinals sweep. My name is Jeff Jones. I'm here today with Brendan Schaefer. Brendan, not great this weekend. Uh, no, it was bad. It was it was definitely not good, and uh, the Cardinals... Like you mentioned before we started the podcast, 15-9 and nine looks a lot different from 15-12, and 12, and the Cardinals found a way to lose three different games this weekend in kind of three different fashions, all just as disappointing as the next. Yeah, I, I think that today's was maybe the least disappointing somehow of the three. Uh, in, in, in some fashion, today seems like a day where you go out uh, you're facing a pitcher you've never seen before, a guy making his Major League debut, in fact, and you just get straight beat. Now, granted, you got straight beat by Nick Kingham uh, making his Major League debut at age 26 and not allowing a base runner for the first six and two-thirds today, but sometimes you get beat. Sometimes the other guy pitches well enough that there's not much you can do about it. That, at least, is better than... For example, thinking that Greg Holland has it turned around and then having him blow a save uh, in, in spectacular fashion, in fact, on Friday night or on Saturday, having the back end of the bullpen just completely implode and being forced to throw Mike Myers for a little bit too long because you have somehow worn out an eight-pitcher bullpen. There, those are Those are more painful losses for sure. Yeah, I, I know the narrative Cardinal fans are probably tired of hearing with the Cardinals not faring very well against rookie pitchers or pitchers in their debuts. It seems like the last couple of years we've had instances where the Cardinals have struggled in those situations. I will say Kingham, it looked like he did have some some nasty movement on some of those pitches today, so it could just be one of those things. But definitely coming off of a couple nights in a row where you feel like you had good chances to win and then didn't do it, uh, I think that's what makes today even more disappointing. Well, and I, I think, too, with Kingham today, uh, a spot where he may have had an advantage is that you know, the Cardinals, with the, especially the guys that are struggling, so Matt Carpenter, Marcelo Zuna, uh, those are the guys, I guess, I guess, primarily in the lineup today who have been struggling. Taking pitches for them has been sort of a central part of, of working their way back into shape and of finding their way through some rough spots. And Kingham was attacking the strike zone early and often today. And so uh, the Cardinals were constantly hitting from counts where they were behind, and that sort of limited their options in a lot of ways. Yeah, and, and I think you're right with the, the disappointment from the guys we saw in the lineup today. And Fowler's another one who, uh, not in the lineup today, but definitely the, the, the core players of this team that you anticipated uh, being able to carry this offense, an offense that we thought could be pretty effective this season. Uh, they've kind of had their spurts, but when I think at this point we're about a month into this thing, and it's fair to go ahead and look at the team for what it is and what it has been so far. And, and Matt Carpenter's a hitter who's hitting well under 200. Uh, Marcelo Zuna is a hitter whose OPS is around 600. Uh, this is definitely not what we anticipated from some of these guys that we thought could be uh, the, the big boppers in the Cardinal lineup. And today, what, like you mentioned, Kingham, what he was doing kind of fed into uh, the, the, the weaknesses that the Cardinal hitters are showing because they're, they're going up there trying to get comfortable in at-bats, and Kingham was pumping strikes, and that made it difficult. And I think even guys who 
we have in our minds maybe got off to a hot start, like Yadier Molina, for example, is very quietly now hitting in is hitting 260 after today's game. In fact, uh, so yeah, look, it's 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 starting to look problematic, and Matt Carpenter, I think, is going to be the focus of some attention. Uh, you know, when you draw the comparison, Colton Wong got a lot of flack, I think, earlier in the season for the start he got off to. Colton Wong, after today's action batting 194 with a 588 OPS. Pretty bad. Matt Carpenter batting 155 with a 579 OPS. That's uh that's, that's terrible. danger zone. Yeah, that's 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 bad. You know, you, you I hear, mean, can we say that? Can we just say it's terrible? He knows it's terrible. He's a major league player. Yeah, We're just it's the guys bad. talking about it, but come on now. I look, you you hear a lot about the 100 at bat mark sort of being a plateau where it's it's maybe reasonable to start making judgments about where guys are at. Matt Carpenter has 84 at bats this season. He is look, he is walking. He's got that going for him. He's got 19 walks on the season, but that's it. He's doing nothing else. He has 26 strikeouts uh, in those 84 at bats to go to go with 13 hits. He has three. It's literally twice as many strikeouts as hits. That's that's problematic. Yeah, it seems like when. We start to discuss potentially the Cardinals getting into a situation where, where we're in June and talking about how to fix this team. Maybe it's a team who is hovering a game or two above 500. Right now they're three over that number. And as we well know, things can change awfully quickly because they were you know, first place team at 15 and nine, and then they lose three in a row to get to where they are now. But I wonder where we'll be in June in discussing which Cardinals, you know, you can no longer afford to keep sticking in the lineup every day, which guys you need to consider finding a replacement for via the trade market if this team is going to uh, reach its goals for this season. In your opinion, who's the guy of these core players who day one were written into this lineup in, in pen rather than pencil? Guys you just assumed would be there and assumed the numbers would be there. They haven't done it so far, but you're worried that potentially this guy above any of the other ones is one who's not going to get to that point and is going to continue to struggle and that's the conversation we're going to be having in June. Try to look into your crystal ball. Who are you most worried about for this Cardinals offense right now? It's immediately Matt Carpenter. I don't. I don't think the answer is even close. I. I, I think Matt Carpenter has his performance has slid uh, fairly consistently over the last three seasons. You look at the the fifteen season, the sixteen season, and the seventeen season. The OPS dropped. So fifteen to sixteen, the OPS climbed fourteen points and then dropped. 50 points last year from 885 to 835 and all of that all of it came from slugging percentage right he lost 50 points off his slugging percentage last season the the, the home runs went up very briefly from 21 to 23 uh the doubles were down the triples were down and 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 he's having trouble driving the ball and that's the result uh if you ask me at least it's the result of that ongoing whatever he's dealing with in that shoulder that the Cardinals have been uh Cardinals and Carpenter both I guess have been either unwilling or unable to acknowledge as a problem but you know the the the, the strikeouts for Matt Carpenter are way too high the production is just simply not there and look Matt Carpenter is a guy who he's been around for a while, but I think we forget that he is 32 years old. That that big season he had in 2013, where he was the driver for the offense for the team that went to the World Series, he was already 27 that year, right? I, and and so 32 year old ball players don't frequently all of a sudden find their stroke again. And so I think it's it's a real worry that Matt Carpenter maybe 
has I don't know about lost it, but but is it is maybe imperiled in terms of being the player that he ever has been in the past. And, and yeah, and I agree with you about Carpenter being the one that you have to look out for. Ozuna to me is interesting because I wasn't a hundred percent sold on him being the, the 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 impact bat that they thought they were getting. Like at the time, he was probably the best option as far as acquisition cost and the, the fact that he was available. Uh, you know, all things being equal, I said at the time that I preferred Christian Yelich, the player and the contract to what Ozuna's brought so far this year. That's proven to be true. Neither guy off to a to a crazy start. But you, you wonder what Ozuna's going to bring, because right now he's like, you know, the cleanup hitter that you expect to be a cleanup hitter hasn't done it yet. And the same with Carpenter. We're a month into this thing. And I think we've reached the point where we can stop coming on here every day and saying, well, it's early, it's early, it's early. It's no longer early to the point where. I feel like you have to reflect these changes in your lineup potentially. And, and I saw a tweet from uh, BJ Reigns today who, who's, who mentioning Matt Carpenter's stats for the year said, there's really no reason right now to put him any higher than seventh in your lineup. So I ask you, would you go ahead and just drop Carpenter in the order with the acknowledgement that he's not a leadoff hitter right now. He's not a number two or a number three hitter right now. And, and putting him in those positions does a disservice to your offense because that's almost where I'm at at this point. Like anywhere higher than I would say sixth just doesn't make sense until he begins to turn things around. Yeah, frankly, I'm not convinced that Matt Carpenter is in your starting eight at this point, right? That's I, fair too. I, I, Defensive, I, I, gotta consider defensively. I'm with you there. Yeah, defensively, he's not in the same universe as Jed Jerko is. Now, Jose Martinez has been sort of a nightmare at first base, had two errors over the weekend, uh, both of which were fairly costly, and and that that's, that's going to be a problem. I mean, clearly Jose Martinez is not ever going to be the kind of defensive first baseman that you really need him to be uh, in order for that to be a long-term solution. But given what he's generating with the bat once he's healthy, and I, I think poor Jose Martinez has been affected by the cold weather maybe more than anyone else has here in the early going, just in terms of physically how it affects him. I know he's pretty bruised up. He had to call time yesterday uh, because he has a respiratory infection and he couldn't catch his breath on second base. Like these are, you know, these are difficult challenges for guy to deal with but as as good as Jerko has been and he has been really good I can't justify taking him out of the lineup and as good as Colton Wong is defensively and look say what you want about their starts but we just read the numbers out loud Wong's numbers at the plate as bad as he was for the first two weeks of the season are better than Matt Carpenter's right now and frankly Colton Wong fits in the lineup uh, in, in a way that makes a lot more sense than Matt Carpenter does because the reason or part of the reason that the Cardinals are forced to sort of move Dexter Fowler all over the place from one to two to five to six and, and, and not find a consistent spot for Dexter Fowler is that Matt Carpenter hasn't had that consistency either. And they're sort of scrambling, it seems like, to accommodate Carpenter first and Fowler second. Yeah, and I, I think it's time to be done with that to, to, to be accommodating Matt Carpenter's place in the lineup if you even put him in there. I agree with you that uh, you know, give me a first baseman who's hitting 155 and is mediocre at best defensively versus a first baseman who is a is a nightmare defensively, but it's going to hit over 300. It's going to slug the ball the way Jose Martinez says. I don't really think it's a conversation. So I'm with you. Like trying to dream up a way to do this lineup, a way to put things together in the short term, just for the Cardinals to try to catch something uh, after struggling uh, overall on the weekend. I'm thinking Tommy Pham leading off. Maybe put someone like Fowler batting second. I'm, I'm okay with DeYoung being in the middle when you honestly can't move uh, or, or have no reason to move Ozuna down because nobody else has really done a whole lot lately either. 
I want to see maybe Fowler in that two spot and and try that Tommy Pham thing leading off again because I kind of like the look that would give you. And I agree, you got to find a way to put Colton Wong in there. He pinched it today uh, after not getting the start, and nobody. It's not like anybody else is hitting. So how are you going to keep the best glove in your in your infield out of the lineup? I I tend to agree with you there. Yeah, I think something like Pham, Fowler, Martinez. Ozuna, DeYoung, Molina, Jerko, Wong, and the pitcher is something close to what I'd like to see. Uh, the, the Cardinals have not been eager, I think, in, in, in the recent past here to put Jed Jerko into that three and four spot in the lineup. But right now, frankly, I think that that would be something that I would take a look at, especially while Jose Martinez is still sort of on the mend and on his way, you know, and on his way back. I, I think that Jerko is probably the hottest or one of the hottest bats you have right now, and he should be playing every day and I think should be closer to the middle of the order. Yeah, and it's kind of hard to count Sunday into that equation because the Cardinals got three hits as a team, so it's not like anybody offensively did much at all. And so, yeah, you know, Jerko, for lack of a better phrase, stop jerking him around, play the guy, at least get Chris defensively at third. And if Carpenter's going to play first until Jose Martinez can, can go on a regular basis, that's fine. But I'm I'm to the point where right now I'd rather see results out of Matt Carpenter. Like, treat him as though he's not a, a veteran with all this equity built up. Because for a month, if he's hitting 200, you say, well, he's a veteran with all this equity built up. For a month when he's hitting 155, I think you have to go ahead and, and change your approach with what you're doing out there. Now, we mentioned Mike Myers earlier in this podcast, but the other thing uh, that, that goes along, I guess, with Mike Myers being back on the big league roster is that as part of that shuffling, Austin Gomber was recalled today with Jack Flaherty sent back down after his start. That, to me, is a very interesting move for the Cardinals uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, it does give them a second left-hander to use in the bullpen. I think with only Tyler Lyons out there, he got pretty overworked pretty fast, and so Gomber at least gives them another look for a lefty to throw. But number two, I don't know what it means for them in terms of handling Adam Wainwright's spot in the rotation, but my inclination is that they're probably going to be at a four-man rotation here for at least one turn through. With an off day tomorrow as well as an off day on Thursday, uh, they probably have the ability to skip Flaherty's spot entirely, and they'll probably have to because by the time the spot would otherwise come back up, Jack Flaherty would not be eligible to be recalled from the minors unless there were to be an injury between now and then because that's less than 10 days away. Yeah, I, I imagine that would be the plan. I haven't read or heard anything uh, with regard to that. But when you consider the fact that it's not very often that you know, starting a weekday period with a Monday, you have two off days within that four-day period. Uh, there, there's no reason to to stretch the guys out. They've, they've shown so far this season that they're comfortable with keeping guys on that every fifth-day rotation. And so I would imagine that's what they're going to do this time around and then try to structure it to where we'll know a little bit more about Wainwright uh, coming up, if, if you can fill that next possible start. And if not, then again, you probably would have to go back to the well. But I think, yeah, for one turn through, they can skip that spot, which was most recently occupied by Flaherty. And, and then probably by the time they would need it again, they could go to either Flaherty or Wainwright. And my anticipation would be that Gomber would be for use out of the bullpen just to try to maximize your pitching staff during that time. I will say, uh, if we're looking for things that were positive to look for out of this weekend, 
that Miles Michaelis would probably be in that category of positive things. Uh, this has been a number of starts in a row here now. Where in, in, in Michaelis, the first Cardinal of the season, to pitch seven innings, three consecutive starts, uh, only gave up two runs in those seven innings in Pittsburgh. He is he is sort of looking like, uh, frankly, he's looking like Lance Lynn. And so it's possible that the Cardinals knew what they were getting with Miles Michaelis. Again, it's early. It's only a month into the season, but he he looks, I mean, he looks like the win of the offseason so far. He looks like a horse. That's the word that came to mind for me watching him in that start over the weekend. And I and I tweeted out the gif. Uh, that, that exactly is what he reminds you of because Lance Lynn was that guy that could go out and just get you innings. And, and even if he didn't necessarily have his best stuff, he was probably going to find a way to get you six or seven. And and Michaelis has been efficient. He's been he's been strong. And again, another outing where he goes seven for you. I would agree with you that there were a lot of pictures, just a lot of moves in general this offseason. When you talk about Michaelis, you talk about Gregerson, you talk about Bud Norris. There were moves like all of them. I feel like Cardinal Nation was lukewarm on for the most part. And, and we've seen some of those moves, like the Michaelis one and certainly the Bud Norris one so far look like those are panning out. And then you've got the Holland and the, the Gregerson moves that so far have not maybe been quite as successful, especially in Holland's case. Uh, and, and of course there are certain circumstances that go into that, but yeah, I think you definitely have to be of all of them, even maybe so more so than Bud Norris impressed with what Michaelis has done because of what it means for your rotation. And, and even if some guys get into some injury trouble, like we've seen with Wainwright, that's a guy you can lean on and has just he's really impressed me so far, like you mentioned, over the last few starts after maybe a little bit of a tough start in the early going. Yeah, I, you know, look, I, Gregerson has sort of avoided notice so far uh, because Greg Holland's problems have been on a much bigger scale, but Gregerson's ERA is above nine, and his velocity drop is, I, I, I was reading this over the weekend, Gre- uh, Luke Gregerson has the second highest recorded velocity drop since the second half of last season uh, to now. And, and and so it's a concern, again, when you get to be the age that Luke Gregerson is, and, and you see a guy's, you see a guy's kind of, his, his stuff just start to fade, I guess. Uh, it's hard to think that he's going to get it back. But but in terms of Michaelis, you know, you talk about him being efficient. He leads the majors with the lowest walks per nine rate. Miles Michaelis has thrown 33 innings this season, has two walks in 33 innings. It's easier to go seven when you're not putting guys on base for free. Yeah, that's classic, like what you want to see from a starting pitcher, especially a guy that you kind of slot in, in your mind anyway, like fourth or fifth in your rotation, like, Dude, just go out and eat innings and don't give away free outs. Keep us in games. And he's done that and then some. And, and speaking of another guy in the rotation, I wanted to mention that, you know, it's it sucks when you get free hit, especially when you've got a guy making his debut on the other side. I wanted to bring up Luke Weaver from Sunday's outing just because I felt like this is, this is kind of two in a row where you see Weaver kind of getting into that spot in the fifth or sixth inning, starting to struggle, and then the manager keeps him out there in those situations and ends up making his day look a lot crummier than maybe it otherwise could have. Weaver ends up going five and a third and gives up four runs. And things just kind of came apart in that sixth inning form on Sunday where, yeah, the other guy was throwing a perfect game, but through five, like it was anybody's game, nothing, nothing. I was, I was interested in your thoughts kind of on what happened for Weaver in that sixth. And if, and if there was any point where you think, man, maybe they should have pulled him approaching a hundred pitches or, it was just another time where it was his game to lose. That's kind of how it, it turned out when Cespedes took him deep last week. 
And that's what ends up happening in, in PNC Park on Sunday. Yeah, I thought it was an interesting comparison to last week as well, because it, and, and Weaver admitted this in the post game uh, for that start against the Mets, that when the game sort of started to ramp up, he was getting ahead of himself and he wasn't taking time to stop and breathe and he was rushing his delivery and so his mechanics were off uh, and so his stuff started to flatten out. I thought there was a lot of that happening today as well. And so that's at least a thing that I think the Cardinals maybe view as correctable. Uh, and and so maybe there's a thought that letting Luke Weaver work through that out on the mound is a, is a better idea than rushing into the bullpen. And frankly, I think that there was... Uh, that there were some limited options today in the bullpen as well that maybe made Matheny think that he needed to get as much out of Luke Weaver as possible. But I agree that generally speaking, uh, maybe the leash does not need to be as long as it appears to be. I, I get the impression that, you know, and, and certainly this is true of, of, of Matheny more broadly, that he likes to place trust in his pitchers and he thinks that, you know, he'll, he'll be able to know when it's time to get them because he'll be able to read them correctly. I think that maybe Luke Weaver has forfeited a little bit of that trust and maybe should be reined in some. And it's not even like, it's not even for me a Luke Weaver thing. Like, I feel like when pitchers get to that point in the sixth inning, that should just be something that, <clears throat> pardon me, that the manager is kind of prepared to take action on and like throw the fire blanket on that situation before it gets totally out of hand. And in the case on whatever day it was last week, Cespedes homers. And from there it's like, well, you're, you're kind of screwed. And then on Sunday, it's a situation where bases get loaded. They get that hit where it's a couple of runs, but now those other runs are still out there for the next guy that has to come in and Pittsburgh's able to tack on a couple more. So it, it, it's a tough situation. I would, I understand that things aren't perfect in the bullpen right now. I would kind of generally lean toward being ready for those signs when they start creeping up to take action rather than say, okay, the signs are creeping up. Now we have to start getting guys ready to take action, but it's going to take two more batters for us to be able to do so because by that point it might already be out of hand. That said, it's all a moot point, and I want to make it, make it clear that you don't win games when you're when you're perfect. They got the guys going perfect through six and two thirds or whatever it was. You don't win games when you get three hits. But I do think that uh, maybe it wasn't the only reason they lost on Sunday. It's just one of those things where the next time it could be the reason because it could be instead of a nothing nothing game where the offense didn't show up, it could be a three to one game where the offense gave you a little bit, and then you need to expect that the bullpen could finish that out. And yeah, it's going to come down to the players actually doing their jobs you know, the jobs that they're asked to do, but still the manager's got to put him in that position. And so I'll be interested to see with, with Weaver in particular, Waka's another one of those guys who's had good starts lately. And so does he end up building up trust within the manager that the next time Michael Waka goes out there and it's the sixth inning and he clearly is losing uh, some of his grip on the game. It's another situation where, okay, well, we're going to trust him because he's done well the last two times. Or do we say, no, the signs today are different than they were the last two times. And we need to go get it. Yeah, I mean that's it's that that's fair, and it and it requires, I think, a degree of learning uh, and a degree of adaptation. I guess that Mike Matheny has sort of been histor- historically hesitant to embrace, and so hopefully that changes, uh, and there tends to be a little bit of, of of a little more proactivity in terms of managing the bullpen. White Sox in town for two this week. Cubs in town the weekend for three. Uh, the Reds were a team that sort of cured some of the ales of, of this ball club when they were here. Do we think the White Sox can serve in a similar role? I think it'll be interesting to see. I believe Giolito does pitch for Chicago in that two-game series. 
I don't know who the other starter is, but I'll be interested to see how he does. Kind of another guy who is, you know, it's not his major league debut or anything, but he's, he was a top prospect that went over to Chicago in the uh, trade with the Washington Nationals for Adam Eaton. Kind of around that time, the Cardinals were looking for an outfielder. Everybody was saying, no, no, you can't trade Alex Reyes for that guy. Uh, the Nationals elected to do so in trading Giolito. And so uh, is this another young guy who's going to have success against the Cardinals, or can they turn it around on him and, and kind of stick it to him? Uh, you know, the White Sox, uh, interesting team, not quite there yet where they, uh, I think, are competitive for, for a, a postseason berth, but they, they're another team with some young talent. So it'll be interesting to see if the Cardinals can kind of stick it to them, as you mentioned, because it's going to be a short respite uh, before the Cubs come into town, and that's going to be a, a crucial series, as will every series, uh, against the other Chicago team this season. Yep, uh, the weekend against the Cubs as well will be interesting. We will have plenty of coverage of that, plenty of coverage of the White Sox. I'm sure Brendan and I will both be at the park all throughout the week bringing you all that. Uh, that's going to probably have us to wrap up this edition of Locked on St. Louis Cardinals. Before we go, Brendan, last thoughts on the weekend, last thoughts on the White Sox, anything that we're missing? What's uh, what's at the top of the Cardinals' brain that you need to get out right now? Uh, the weekend was was pretty brutal against the team within the division. We've continued to talk about how important those games are, and uh, definitely don't like going to, to see the way they were following up some of the good play that they had at home. And so I think it's a good thing that the Cardinals are able to, with only three games on the road, they went bad, but now they're getting an opportunity to come back home, uh, maybe face some lesser competition before you ramp up for the Cubs. Uh, so, some interleague play, some teams that you're not quite as familiar with, um, but definitely in this seven-game homestand, I think the Cardinals have got to take advantage, uh, You know, especially when it comes to that Cubs series. I'm thinking find a way to get the offense going before that happens because you're going to need to take two or three uh, from Chicago after a, a weird, as you remember, snow-filled series up north the last time they played. We'll hope for warmth, we'll hope for sun, and we'll have fun with the Cinco de Mayo weekend with the Cubs in town. For Brendan Schaefer, my name is Jeff Jones. Brendan, thank you so much for uh, for popping on for a later evening edition of Locked on St. Louis Cardinals. Now I'll talk to you next time, Jeff. This is Locked on St. Louis Cardinals, your daily podcast covering all things Cardinals baseball. Stick around. More coverage to come all week long. White Sox, Cubs, Big Chicago Week. Stick right here. We'll have it for you with Locked on St. Louis Cardinals.